0: Hey, what's up? I am Matt with Training Simplified, and in today's interview, my partner Sam got the chance to chat with Diana Blass, a journalist, producer, in the tech space, and also branching into the restaurant world. She recently attended the National Restaurant Association Show and Sam got the chance to talk to her about her experience. Now for all of our interviews, we break them down into shorter recap episodes where we do a breakdown and sort of some key takeaways from both Diana and another interview from a man named Jonathan Mays about their experience at the National Restaurant Association Show. So here is Sam and Diana's interview. All right, Diana, thank you for joining us today. Excited to have you on the podcast and talk to you a little bit about your history and your experience and specifically your time at the National Restaurant Association a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, already we've had so much fun talking about some of the trends we're seeing in the restaurant industry, so I can't wait to share that today with your audience
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get started a little bit. Um, Let the audience know a little bit about who you are and your background a little bit. How did you get from where you were to the show this year?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I will always be a journalist at heart. That's how I always describe myself. Um, And today I now work under my own brand. I have my own production company where I produce and sell various forms of digital content, whether it be podcasts or uh, digital documentaries, although I do some commercials for private vendors also. So yeah, I I started off as a journalist, I worked in TV initially, and then I moved over to digital, uh, primarily in the tech scene. So there I was really focusing on enterprise tech along with those who are buying and selling it, really good overview of technology. And then I decided to go out on my own, and I still worked in the technology space. I focused primarily on smart cities and IoT, and I was producing documentaries in that space. So A lot of fun traveling until the pandemic came, (laughs) and the traveling (laughs) came to a halt. (laughs) Uh, But it was really cool to see how the technology I was reporting on was then being used. Um, So at the same time, I was also continuing to work with some various B2B brands, producing content for them. And one of my contacts in the tech side moved over to food. And I was introduced to a whole new world of culinary. And I started to work with media brands over there, uh, producing documentaries for them about food trends and restaurant operators. And then um, I also still work in the tech space too, with podcasts and documentaries, but it's been a lot of fun exploring food. And actually it's amazing to see the crossover, you know, of how the tech solutions I've been reporting on for years are now making their way into industries, especially restaurants.
0: Well, I think that's, that's fascinating that you've got this, like technology's been evolving for a long time and it feels like it's a reckoning now in the restaurant industry where it's all anybody's talking about. So I think fascinating there. And then I, your background as well, coming at it from the journalist side or the, the reporting side out of, you get a wide view of what's happening across a lot of places in the industry as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, again, for me, you hear so much buzz in tech, and it almost gets frustrating at points, you know, think about the metaverse. It was we were at a time where everybody's talking about the metaverse, the metaverse, we're all setting up offices in the metaverse. And now I literally hear nothing about the metaverse. So that can get almost frustrating at times with technology. You hear a lot of pilot projects, too, when it comes to smart cities, and not a lot of it scales. Uh, And so when I come over to a specific industry like restaurants who need technology to survive and you see the value it brings and you see how the technology that at least I've been reporting on for years is coming to life, it is really cool to see, um, you know, just again, it was a lifesaver for them during the pandemic. But restaurants also were slow to adopt technology. And so a lot of other industries that adopted it sooner, um, you know, kind of overcame some of the hurdles there, but restaurants are, are now going through them today when it comes to the digitization, the labor issues and all of that, how to integrate the data to make it work for them. So it's, yeah, it's definitely really interesting to get that up close look.
0: I, I love it. I mean, let, let's jump in right there. Cause I think one thing you were at the the national restaurant association uh, convention a couple of weeks ago, and there's, yes. there's everything there. And I'm assuming technology, like you just said, played a big part in what you saw So I'm curious, as you talk to folks there and you saw vendors and platforms across it, what are some of the tech trends, but trends at large that you saw while you were there?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's hard to pinpoint a trend at large. There's just so much at play, and I really want to do that for you, but yeah. but it's hard to have that concise of an answer. If I had to say one thing, of course, it's the economy because here we are. Either some may say we're in a recession or we're near one, uh, and I think restaurants are very cautious about what's going to happen next. They were facing, I mean, probably one of the worst industries hit by the pandemic with the closures. And then since the pandemic, they've had a hard time with inflation, supply chain challenges, and hiring. So um, that definitely plays an overarching Uh, theme here when it comes to digging into those sub-trends from there. And so with technology, you you see a lot of solutions that are streamlining offerings that are allowing for restaurant operators operators to more closely engage with their customers, to personalize their solutions, uh, and also have better communication, not only with their customers, but with those who are working at the restaurants. Uh, to share information. And then on top of that, lastly, is just how to overcome those labor challenges. And as much as we don't want to talk about how technology is replacing labor, this is one industry where maybe it's not the worst thing to have that happen. Uh, So definitely tech at play. Uh, And then from there, we saw some plant-based offerings. I would say you know, I would actually describe it more as just uh, the consumer today is definitely more conscious over what he or she's putting in her body. And therefore, we're looking for healthier solutions. So uh, plant-based, maybe that's also a sustainable solution, rather. Uh, but alcohol, uh, there are alcohol-free alternatives. There's uh, all-natural alcohol organic solutions that I saw uh, so I would say those were the key themes there. And the last one that I'll touch on uh, when it comes to technology is a third-party delivery and the impact that that's had on the industry um, when it comes to how we order food through Seamless, Grubhub, uh, DoorDash, and different apps like that, which once were a lifesaver for the industry, is now actually harming it in some
0: ways. That's so interesting, especially as you give the umbrella of the economy is really driving everything from inflation uh, mm-hmm. I think prices are top of mind for yeah. everybody right now, but also what restaurants went through. Um, you're spot on. They were closing. Sales went to zero. Then you have to ramp up. People want food more than ever, but through delivery services, maybe let's start there. Um, talk about, you mentioned some of these technologies for third-party apps, but you're seeing the other side of the sword now is great because it's a new revenue stream. It's a new way to connect with Consumers that maybe restaurants weren't connecting with before, but what's the other side that you're seeing that you've kind of been exposed to lately?
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, and I found this shocking that just how harmful these third party delivery services could be for a restaurant because there isn't too much transparency when it comes to the fees. Uh, Anyone who's used Seamless or one of the other apps, when you put forward your order, you see all these fees that come down and it's not always clear, well, where are these fees coming from? On top of that, you may see that the dish that you're ordering is a higher price on the app than it would be just by ordering through the restaurant. And that's because the restaurants are trying to overcome the fees that are added that they're facing from using the service. Uh, and also, they they're, they don't share the customer information. And that's interesting to me because, uh, I mean, sharing customer data is always tricky. Um, but... When there's a problem with the order, the customer gets angry with the restaurant, not through the app. And the restaurant can't do too much to overcome those challenges when they can't directly get in contact with that customer because they use that, that middle party, the third party delivery app to place that order. So there's actually a new nonprofit on the market called Digital Restaurant Association, DRA, who's trying to overcome the issues that restaurants are now facing. Uh, as a result of the digitization of the industry, specifically the third party delivery apps. And what really sticks out to me about what this association told me at the show is just painting a picture of the industry how different it is from other industries. You think about airlines and hotels when Expedia came to life, and this Expedia is so similar to third party delivery, and the third party delivery apps, right? Like you're having this one source where you can go and find all the information you need. How great, but hotels and airlines are made up of much larger players who own much of the industry. And restaurants, are completely different. You have mom and pop locations, you have, you know, some with hundreds of locations. And yes, of course, then you have McDonald's and the Chipotle's. But that, you know, doesn't make up the majority. And so therefore they don't have the, the same voice to overcome the threats that are facing them. And when margins are so tight, you know, it could put a restaurant out of business if they're not able to make enough money off of the dishes that they're selling, especially considering how pricey ingredients are today.
0: Absolutely. So this is the digital, the DRA, the digital Restaurant yes. association. association. Fantastic. I think it's a great resource for people to go check out just to understand. Cause I feel like everyone's feeling this no matter what, just the, the influx of orders is one thing, but then like all the, the other sides that come with it. And I never thought about it before that, like, it's similar to an Expedia and kayak and Priceline yeah. came in to there. That's what DoorDash and Uber Eats are now for, for food industries.
1: Right. Yeah. I didn't think about that either. And, you know, it's frustrating about technology. And even just as a small business owner myself, you have to be good at everything. And it gets exhausting after a while to know how to overcome uh, different things being thrown at you, to be competitive, to to have all your ducks in a row. And, and so, yeah, I think an association like this from what I understand about it is great because it's just a place to turn to, to help you get up to speed with some of the issues that y- you just personally can't really overcome.
0: That's great. So is there intent to advocate on behalf of restaurants then and try to work with some mm-hmm. of these to maybe the, the, since they don't have the voice that American airlines and Delta and United have to be that voice for the larger restaurant community?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly the thing. They they do offer uh, tech solutions for these restaurants and training. But on top of that, they go to Capitol Hill and they advocate uh, on behalf of these restaurants and in state to state as well. So it'll be interesting interesting. to see they they launched in April. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes of the association and the changes that they, they make.
0: That's great. All right, we go back to the economy then. Um, oh, the it's umbrella, always a great I subject. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's fascinating. and yeah. all, We're all living with it right now. But you mentioned labor, and I feel like labor yeah. is top of mind for everybody, and um, especially for restaurant operators, food and labor are the two biggest drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kind of stuff did you see or what did you hear about when it comes to labor and what folks are doing with technology or automation inside restaurants mm-hmm. at the show this year?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a key reason why restaurants are investing in uh, in technology. And actually, one thing I'll, I'll preface this with, though, you know, restaurants didn't seem to voice at least the restaurants we spoke to at the show. Now, obviously, not every restaurant in the nation was at this show, but restaurant operators and those playing a role in this industry didn't feel like the economy was at a recession point. And there was definitely excitement at the industry at this industry event. So um, it. it's exciting, I guess, right, that they they don't feel actually as down as they did about a year ago when labor was particularly tough and inflation and supply chain challenges. So that being said, though, there's still a lot of tech to, you know, help them overcome those challenges and also just be more efficient. And that's what I love about technology. It just really helps you to be efficient with what you have. So it's all across the board, um, software platforms that integrate all the data you're collecting from around your restaurant and then enabling all employees to know what's happening. And even, you know, owners who maybe have multiple restaurants can view the platform and see what's happening in each of their locations. So that's definitely very cool. And talk there about how the different solutions that you're investing in need to be able to work together. I think that's a big thing in every industry today, or that platforms um, really need to be interoperable and so that the data can work together and you can get the greatest insights that you have. One really cool example that was described to me by NCR They have a software platform and they work with various partners. Uh, So imagine this a customer walks into a restaurant and they uh, have an issue with the dish that they ordered. And rather than that waiter having to go and track down a manager and have that customer wait and grow angrier, instead they can send a notification to their manager through their platform and the platform will notify the manager, you know, give a ding on the smartwatch and the manager can immediately address the concern. And so it really speeds up that customer service that's really cool. On top of that too, as you know, the customer interacts with the platform, let's say ordering, then you're collecting data and you're getting greater insights into what customers want. So that's again, why different ways you're collecting data in your restaurant and how having a platform that works with all of your sensors and all your different solutions in that restaurant, having them all work together really benefits you from all angles. Um, On top of that, we saw robots, of course, (laughs) who doesn't like to see robots, especially at a show. Uh, And so we saw robots that completely take over the process. There was a uh, Robo Joe, I think, a robot that makes the coffee for you. So the customer would walk up to a platform and uh, a dashboard and put in the order, and then the robot would go ahead and make it. Also does inventory, which is a lifesaver. Um, and then we also saw cobots. That was a term, I at least from what I understand, coined by nation's restaurant news. And this is the idea of having robots work alongside the employee. So we always talk about robots, taking the job but in this way it can work alongside uh, and so you're more so just outsourcing the tasks that maybe aren't the best fit for that worker um, what else and then yeah just a lot of automation and uh, software platforms I'd say um, those were the two main things really just ways to enhance communication streamline offerings and to boost productivity
0: that, I, I, I love this idea of the the cobot or co, the yeah. co-robot because we talk a lot about um, full automation. You're seeing the burger flippers and the chip fryers and things like that that are fully replacing tasks. But um, to do it paired next to somebody feels like the intermediary. Like if we're not going to jump all the way to no workers in a restaurant, the cobot right. working alongside or making users more efficient uh, yeah. is that next step to help them get there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I would be curious to know if consumers really want to go to a restaurant where there's nobody there, uh, where it's just technology and devices. Um, so maybe that's a smarter way to go about it, where you're always going to want someone to address the concern when that robot isn't working. Another thing I'll add is that you're also seeing more, you know, IoT devices, more sensors being deployed, anything that is helping you. And like, even if there's, let's say, a uh, a fire or um, a flooding situation, having a sensor there that will detect when emerging situations like that are happening. And that's another reason why having the platform that can incorporate that data along with all of your other insights you're gaining around a restaurant really makes you into that smart restaurant.
0: That's, I mean, that feels like the name of the game. And like you said, having all those things talk to each other. So they're not bespoke platforms makes all the difference if they're not talking to each other that becomes another full-time job just to manage all those things to make sense of them
1: definitely and i think you know i make it sound easier said than done <laughs> i think it's <laughs> always the, to even the around, solutions yeah. yeah the solutions aren't always developed that way you know they're not always developed to talk to each other
0: exactly exactly um, you mentioned plant-based foods and more health-based yeah. foods, um, plant seems to be all the rage, but you saw some stuff that wasn't plant-based as well. That's kind of more in the health line of things, but moving beyond just the, the maybe traditional menu items we've mm-hmm. seen over the past 20 years. Can you talk a little bit about some of the trends you were seeing on the food side as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you say 20 years and I'm sure it's been around for that long, but it just seems like the past few years it's exploded. Um, And I wonder if it was a fad or if it's here to stay, at least at the levels we saw. And um, when you look at the grocery store, I think Impossible Burgers aren't selling at the levels they used to be but when you're at the restaurant association show it's <laughs> mad with plant-based offerings you would think it's the top selling product every day uh and as you mentioned it's not just food although we saw some innovation there with uh seafood offerings plant-based shrimp for an example um i think plant uh, of course plant-based sushi and things like that actually i read about plant-based dumplings <laughs> like the off the which i didn't no, is that big of a deal? Uh, more so the wrapping of a dumpling being plant-based, which I didn't know really had uh, too much meat incorporation there. But that being said, um, I did come across a corn straw, corn-based straw, we all know the straw dilemmas in this country. Yeah, you know, I don't know your take on <laughs> yeah. paper straws, but they don't really seem to be doing that well. Uh, but corn-based straws take three hours to dissolve. So, how often do you have a drink that lasts three hours? You know, so that could be a promising evolution of That's, the straw.
0: <laughs> I will take that over stainless steel. We tried to go stainless steel straws, oh. and I cannot deal with stainless steel. That that feel in my mouth, yeah, I'm not I'm not into that.
1: Yeah, and I guess you're not going to freely give out, you know, stainless steel straws all the time. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. That's interesting, though. So maybe even like biodegradable straws, so that at least if it's you know you're throwing it away, it goes away at a certain point.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, And at least it's interesting that the industry is acknowledging that, Um, acknowledging that that's another way to incorporate sustainable offerings into restaurants. It's not just through what we're eating, but the tools that we're using. Uh, and I was, from my perspective, and it's a relatively new perspective because my first time at the show. But it seems like that's that's new, right? Because it used to the talk always used to be about what we were eating, the plant based meats and stuff like that. So now it's becoming into the plant based tools for food service.
0: Very interesting. Um, you mentioned as well that. Um... There's some new ingredients being added to things like alcohol, for example, where we're trying trying some new things. You mentioned maybe a little bit of CBD uh, <laughs> being released out there. What yeah. what's happening in the the alcohol world that maybe we is new and exciting?
1: Yeah, that that was interesting. Um, you know, alcohol. I think I'm sure you've seen the headlines that uh, I guess. Uh, The younger consumers don't like to drink alcohol as much as um, previous generations have. Um, As a result, we've seen a rise in mocktails, uh, more people engaging in dry January. And I mean, I personally... I don't you know, I think the conversation has turned too much towards alcohol is bad for you rather than maybe moderation. But it's definitely interesting to see that rise of alcohol free alternatives. And so one of them that the show was CBD infused seltzers. Um, and the idea is that you have one, you're feeling okay. You get a baby buzz, I think was described. And then you have two and you feel sleepy, which is interesting. But the idea is that people feel more comfortable holding something like that because the whole idea is that, you, you know, when you're out, you still want to have something or you still want to feel something that gives you that that uh, takes away the stress for you. So it was interesting. I mean, honestly, I, w- I was intrigued by it. I'm a bit of a health nut. And so I was like, huh, you know, maybe I'd like to buy some of this. Um, it's interesting though, to take a look at where it's legal and where it's not. Now, federally, uh, marijuana still remains a, a um, you know, a classified drug, scheduled drug, and state by state, even in places where it's legal, it's very hard to sell to. So I believe the company that I interviewed is based in Illinois, and they were saying how California, even though it's legal there, that California wants to promote brands within California. And so mm. they can't easily ship to California and sell it. Uh, and, and so it's interesting the roadblocks that they're facing there. And I'm curious to know how it'll take off. I mean, even when I was looking at the market, trying to add some more research to the reporting, get a better grasp of it. It seemed like CBD coffee is a really hot thing. Uh, and that's the biggest, you know, the most interest is around that. Um, and but CBD seltzer was you know grow, they uh, they're tracking conversation on social media and they said that it rose maybe forty percent in the past year the conversation around CBD infused seltzers uh, but it's still relatively low but the expectation is that it'll rise as more people look for alcohol free alternatives so it's interesting the FDA still warns against it uh, they actually say that people face heart palpitations and dizziness and uh, things like that. Um, it's actually pretty interesting that they're that forward with the the issues that have been, yeah. they're facing with CBD infused seltzer specifically.
0: So interesting. It feels like that's one of those tricky ones where you hear CBD and all of it's taking off and yet it's so fragmented state by state yeah. um, that it feels like that one might take a minute to, to launch if it ever does.
1: Yeah. I You know, it's it's interesting um because you could totally see the appeal especially among younger consumers. Again, you can see the appeal. Um, and I, I'm in Manhattan right now and there are all these CBD shops around, but actually many of them are technically illegal because they weren't opened under the proper licenses and stuff, but there's still many CBD shops around here. in fact, those are what's opening and other more traditional stores are closing because just of the way that corporate, uh, you know, offices are, are working right now in corporate leasing. So yeah, I, I'm, would be curious to watch that market for sure.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. Um, okay. We've talked, we've talked through the economy, through technology, <laughs> plants, we've covered a wide variety. I'm curious thinking through um, the NRA is a big show. You've got a lot that went on there. What, what's maybe a takeaway for if I'm an operator and I'm, I'm running a restaurant day to day and I go, okay, CBD is going to happen in a long time. Robots are coming. What's something I can use today that you learned that maybe is a quick takeaway, um, something to think about for an operator today? Yeah, Any advice you would have.
1: I mean, my takeaway really sends back to the third party delivery conversation we were having earlier and really just how you can boost your offerings online as well. Um, a majority of revenue comes from online delivery today or at least a decent portion of it. And I think that it is critical for restaurants to think about how they can be most competitive when playing in that arena. And so when I hear about the issues surrounding fee, transparency, costs, like pay parity, customer data, those are all things that I'd really want to get up to speed on so that I can ensure that I am, you know, playing at my best ability when it comes to sales there
0: absolutely so i mean it feels like there's some element of we know consumers want that there's always going to be consumers that are using your Doordashes and uber eats to go to go through those but you know there's also consumers that are that don't want to pay those extra fees that don't want to do that so um it sounds like a little bit of like also focus on those customers too don't ignore those ones that are put off by it and try to find ways to market to them locally or talk to them directly
1: Yeah. I mean, think about so much power we have over social media and many times people will also go to social media to look at the pictures of the food to get a better idea. Um, And so I really think it's about communicating to the customer about many times that the prices will be lower if they directly order through that restaurant rather than going through the app. Most people want a deal and that's a great way to start. Um, I also think that from what I learned, Google, doesn't add fees the way that Seamless and um, DoorDash and the other apps do. So even promoting Google uh, delivery services to your customer would be beneficial so that they still can have that app feel or at least see all the restaurants in their, in their area. Uh, they, I guess from what I understand, Google doesn't play games when it comes to ranking the way that some of the other apps do. I mean, that's just from my reporting is... The DRA was explaining to me that these apps very much do have sponsored restaurants higher up because they have more money at their disposal, they can pay. So on top of the fees that they're paying when somebody orders through the app, they're also you know, having to pay more just to be more visible on the platform. So there's a lot to think about there. And that's why I think it's just such a game changer. You know, we talk so much about technology and all this, but at the end of the day, a restaurant wants to make money. (laughs) And when you think about all the money that's being lost here, uh, it's, you know, it's an important conversation, I think, to have.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're spot on. And it is one thing every operator can do today is go focus on that local marketing, talk to your local customers, the ones that are coming in and don't want uh, robots serving them food. Keep yeah. the humanity inside there. Keep the hospitality going a little bit, but also save them some money, make you some more money uh, along the mm-hmm. way, um, while still leveraging. It's not to ignore the digital offerings, but don't forget about those other customers. A way to maybe take some action today on that.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Love it. You. This was your. You said it was your first National Restaurant Association, right?
1: Yes, it was. Oh. I've been to tech conferences all this all these years. <laughs>
0: How would um I'm curious how you would describe it to somebody who's never been? If this is an operator who's in uh Santa Fe, New Mexico, didn't go, what what is this show? Because it's massive.
1: It is massive. It's right in the heart of Chicago. Uh and it's just it every food offering you can imagine is, is on display. You know, it's hard to, to not you know, eat an entire meal before you get to your next interview because there's just so much food at the disposal. And it's amazing how much food they're producing within, what, eight hours that the show floor is open. Maybe it's a little bit longer. I don't think. I think it's from nine to five or anything, eight to five. So there are full-scale kitchens creating these dishes. So it's, it's really, really cool. A lot of different types of conversations to be had, too. I mean, think about everything that we went through today from the economy to the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's, you know, I think there's something from everybody there. Um, and it's, it's what's actually happening in the industry, too. Again, I've been to a lot of tech conferences, which are fun, but it's a lot of software and a lot of computer screens, uh, demos that, you know, aren't brought to life the way that the robots and where the tech is a little bit more visible in the restaurant industry. And it's a lot of the issues that we're facing today. They're they are looking for ways to tackle them. Uh, So whereas, again, my tech background is always about what was going to happen. What's the future hold? Well, this is, you know, reality of what's happening today in in the market. And restaurants often serve as a place to see, you know, are we in a recession? Are we not? And when you look at the data showing that uh, consumers are still dining out once a week, there's still a lot of excitement here. And the IPOs that we saw just come down this week in the restaurant industry. And so it does add some fuel to the fire. The excitement I saw at the restaurant show playing out in the real world. Um, so it's definitely a, a good way to keep your hands on the industry. Going to this event, I'd say.
0: That's awesome. That's great. And you had you, you're producing a few shows um, uh, for uh, both the industry, but also. Um, one was an event that night, it sounded like, or a, a oh, celebration, yeah. I think, as we, as we prose it. But tell, so it's just so people can go check out some of the series that you're working on. But In the Mix and Menu Masters, can you talk a little bit about some oh, of the yeah. content yes. you're producing?
1: Yeah. So yes, I'm, uh, that's another thing. The restaurant's just a fun industry. It's amazing. I mean, again, I love tech, but restaurants, they just know how to have fun and they keep going. <laughs> you know, like they're like energizer bunnies. Like, how are you guys still out right now? So yes, the menu masters celebration uh, takes place each year and it took place on the Saturday of the NRA show. So the show, I think formally kicked off. On that Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, and it went till I think Wednesday or Thursday of that week. So it's um, a busy, busy week there in Chicago. And so the menu masters, the whole idea of it is honoring those who are developing the menus at these uh, restaurants across the nation. So we honored a bunch of chefs, uh, some of them you may Recognize the names for whom they work for. Uh, Arby's was on there. Friendlies. I grew up with a lot of friendlies around uh, here in New York. Um, And what else? Twin Peaks Restaurant, which is now getting a lot of excitement in the investment world. Bunch of restaurants like that. We honored the chefs for some of their really innovative, amazing dishes. Um, What's fascinating to me is that these are restaurants that are, you know, all across the nation, sometimes internationally too. And so to be able to create a dish that could be replicated at all these different locations, that's a skill. Uh, And we put that skill to the test in the lead up to the event. We had a a cook off for one day where we flew in these chefs and we paired them in teams and we text them. We test them to create a unique dish that would be served at the menu master celebration during that week in Chicago of the NRA show. So then they excelled. (laughs) They, in fact, created more than one dish. Sometimes they created three, Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And we created a cooking series that's now on the menu master masters youtube page that followed these chefs as they collaborated you hear them discussing different ways that they can create these menu ideas these dishes and then you see them in the kitchen bringing it all to life and then ultimately the taste test that followed so it's a lot of fun following that and seeing it all come to life at the menu masters event where it had to be replicated by the drake hotel all those dishes
0: that's fascinating and i love that you've got a youtube series that you can follow along and kind of see it all come to life if you weren't there so that's even better.
1: Definitely. I mean, hey, that's a message for restaurants, too, of how to promote an event. I think oftentimes we just think about putting out social media alerts that, uh, you know, don't always spend too much time promoting the event and you're you're not bringing some of the characters to life and so this is a really fun way i mean kudos to uh nation's restaurant news and I mean Tour of foods they came up with this idea that they wanted to create a cooking show to coincide with the event lead up uh so it's a lot of fun i urge everybody to go and watch it on the menu masters awards youtube page
0: that's that's fantastic um Thank you for joining us today for for talking us through all this. If people want to uh, follow you or see what else you're producing, where where can they find you?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, on LinkedIn, of course, I, I post a lot there. I'm, my name is Diana Blass. So you can just search me there. Um, I, Company name is Diana Blast Productions. So just go to Uh and yeah, on Twitter at Diana Blast. And I have a new podcast coming out soon about tech, so it won't be about food. But <laughs> if you're looking for ways that you can invest in tech and learn about what's buzzing in the industry, I definitely urge you to stay with me there. It's called Connected, and I will be promoting it all over my social media for where to watch and stuff. So stay tuned for that.
0: Fantastic. That is amazing. Thank you for all of the insight for talking through this uh, with us. I feel so much more informed about where everything is going now. Um, So I really appreciate it. Thank
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. This is so much fun.